if you want to experience supernatural intervention of God, you must abide in Christ. And one of the ways we do that is when we're overwhelmed by God, when we understand how great He is. You are listening to a message preached by Pastor Bogdan Kipko at Forward Church in Irvine, California. For more information about Forward Church, please visit forward.fm. And as they were approaching the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened his scriptures? So we're going to go on a journey that is going to give us an insight into who Jesus is and what happened to him. And what's really interesting, if you notice this particular narrative, there's a two guys walking. Now, I think that we're often left to judge them very harshly because we kind of know how the story goes. But here's what I want to say. There's a reason why in the Bible it said there's two of them walking. The reason it says two of them are walking was because in Judaism or in Eastern thought, in a court of law, for something to be proved true and something to be proved accurate, there must be two witnesses. There's a reason why two people were the first people that saw when Jesus Christ came back from the dead. It was a credibility factor. So now 2,000 years later, when we listen to this story, it's not a myth. It's not a fable. It's true. It happened. I don't know if you noticed, but in 1986, there was a Time magazine cover that, that it was very famous cover. It said, is God dead? Okay. Now, flashback to 2017, there's another equally famous Time Magazine cover that just came out. And here is what it says. It asks the question, is truth dead? My friends, this morning, I'm here to tell you it is not dead. It is very much alive, and his name is Jesus. That is the reality. So every problem, every frustration, every uncertainty, every burden that you came in here with today has already found its resolution in the resurrection of Jesus. And because Jesus lives, you too can live. Amen? Amen. And so what happens in this text is there's two of them. There's two witnesses who fulfill the legal, the legal requirement of credibility in Judaism. Now, this is the question I believe you're asking in your mind right now. How can I believe in this when so many people don't worship Jesus? There's more evidence, actually, for the resurrection of Jesus historically than any other event in human history. And as these two guys are walking, seemingly having no idea who is with them, look what they're doing. They're talking about everything that had happened. These pedestrians were dwelling on the past. Maybe you came in here this morning and you're thinking of the past. 
You're thinking of your past sin, your past habits, things that have happened in your life. But here's the thing. Jesus is in the resurrection business. It doesn't matter what happened in the past. It matters what God's going to do in your life in the future. Amen? And so these two guys, they, they tried to discuss what had happened. But here's the thing. They were dwelling on disappointed hopes. They were dwelling on what might have been. And so you're, you're maybe wondering this morning, well, how can I focus on what God will do in my life when I have so much difficulty in my life? My friend, if you have so much difficulty in your life, this is the main reason to focus on Jesus because he's alive. And he can do a resurrection in your life regardless of what you're going through. And so people dwell on what was, but Jesus focuses on what can be. That's the greatness of the resurrection. And it's interesting, as we're going along this journey with this walk to remember, they're talking about everything that has happened, and they were trying to figure it out. They were confused. They were perplexed. They were seeking, discussing, disputing, analyzing, sensitive synthesizing what had transpired. But here's what, what one thing that's happening. They, ke- they were kept from recognizing him. They were kept from recognizing him. And as they're underway, Jesus approaches them. And although they do not recognize him. So my question is this. Have you ever thought why these two guys are walking along this path and they're walking and they're discussing and they're analyzing and they're talking They're thinking about what happened in the past. They're not focused on the future. And the Son of God, Jesus Christ, comes alongside of them. And they were kept from uh, recognizing him. They were kept from recognizing him. Friends, the reason you and I sometimes don't see Jesus' powerful work in our lives is because we're discussing and analyzing and disputing what happened in the past. But the past is in the past. So often, God wants to create, now stay with me, God wants to create a tomb in you so that he can enact a resurrection. That's what needs to happen in your life and in my life. So very often we're like, God, where are you? I've had so many bad things happen in my life. So many people betrayed me. All these things happened, but Jesus is right beside him. Kept from recognizing Jesus because we're too busy discussing about the past. So if we truly believe that Jesus is big enough, why are we not focused on him more than ever before? You know, very often our anxieties and our problems and our issues loom over us and they're upon our shoulders. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus is bigger than your problems, bigger than your anxieties, bigger than your uncertainties, bigger than your problems, bigger than even your hopes and dreams that were never fulfilled. Because Jesus is bigger and Jesus is better. Amen? And that's why we celebrate Easter. That's why we celebrate Jesus coming back from the dead. Now, in verse 16, as we go along this story with these guys, it says their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. It means they were prevented, meaning to, they were, they were beyond his eyesight. And here's the thing. 
you can do all the right things. You can come to church. You can listen to sermons. You can go to a Bible study. You can say the right words. You can even behave properly. But if Jesus Christ does not supernaturally come into your heart and awake you and create a resurrection, you will never see him. You won't see him. So recognizing Jesus is not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. So if you have friends or family that you've been praying for for a very long time and you're like, I just don't understand why they don't believe in my Savior Jesus, it's because it's not a natural thing to believe in Jesus. It's a supernatural thing. There is only one person who died and came back from the dead, and that's Jesus. And he can do a supernatural work in your life. He can do a supernatural work in your heart. So Luke here reminds us that recognition of Jesus and confession of him is not a matter of human insight. God needs to do that work. And so Jesus asks this question. He says, what are you discussing? Imagine, I mean, this is why I love Jesus. He's like, he's a very, he's, he's a gentleman. So he kind of like approaches them and he's like, Oh, hey guys, how's it going? What are, you, what are you discussing, right? This is Jesus. They're discussing Jesus, basically. But he's asking them this question. They're at, he's saying, what are you discussing? What are these things that you're discussing as you walk together? And the word for discussing means they're throwing it back and forth. They're discussing, they're exchanging views. And here's what's happening. It says they stood still, their faces downcast. They were bummed out. Friends, how often in your life, in my life, we're bummed out when we're discussing things that are not going right in our life, when instead of discussing the things that are not going right, we should be discussing Jesus Christ who came back from the dead. Our focus is in the wrong place. We are too caught up in the worldly things, and we're not focused on the supernatural things, which is Jesus Christ. And so... The two strangers, they addressed the stranger with them immediately, these two guys. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know what has happened there in these last two days? So, it's almost like you come up to, how many times you had a conversation with your friends? You come to them, you're like, life is good, Jesus is good, I have some issues I'm going through, but God's got it. And they're like, are you the only one that doesn't see what's happening in this world? No, we do see what's happening in this world. But we know the one who is in control of that world, and that's Jesus. And these people failed to see that, that sometimes you and I do the same thing. And so what, what Jesus says, he says, what things? He says, what things have happened? Tell me about them. Jesus does not defend himself against the untoward insinuation of Cleopas, but he says, what things? So what Jesus is doing is his question invites the pair to open their hearts so that he may instruct them in order that their truth will be revealed. And so these two guys are going to tell Jesus about himself, which is incredibly ironic, but Jesus wants to hear what he's saying, what they're saying. So they go on and they say he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. But here's the one thing, if you notice, the one thing they didn't say. 
They said he was a powerful prophet. People knew him. He preached a lot. But the one thing they didn't mention is that he was God. So very often, you and I are attracted to Jesus because of his benefits, but not because of his lordship. And that's what happened to these two guys here. And so like so many people who had gone before, Jesus suffered from the rejection of the chief priests and rulers. But here's the thing, though. Either Jesus for you is a lord over your life, either he's a liar or he's a lunatic. The one thing you cannot be in relation to Jesus is indifferent to who he is. And so what these guys are saying is they, they have a very powerful narration. They say, we had hoped. How often in your life and my life we say the same thing? We hoped. We hoped. I wish this could have happened. And we create a particular life in our mind, and we say, we hoped. But it didn't happen. And Jesus failed to deliver it to me. We have unmet expectations. We had a blueprint for our life. We said, by the time I'm going to be this age, I'm going to be driving this car. I'm going to be living in this house. I'm going to have this many kids. I'm going to have a wife or a husband. I'm going to be in this school. I'm going to have this degree. I'm going to have this position. And you don't have it. And so you're, you're with these two guys unknowingly saying to people in your life, I hoped, I hoped, and I don't have it. How often in your life and in my life we do that? But my friends, I want to tell you, the fact that Jesus came back from the dead, he fulfills even our unmet hopes and our unrealistic expectations. And if even none of your dreams in your life come true, the fact that Jesus came back from the dead, that is enough. Do you believe this? We had hoped, we had hoped, we had hoped, we had hoped. That is an echo that is heard in the history of humanity. It's heard today, it's heard yesterday, it's gonna be heard tomorrow, and in 10 years, people kept saying, we had hoped, we had hoped, we had hoped. And human beings, including Jesus' disciples, inevitably associate human causes with the will of God. And this is a lamentation that sums up feelings of believers through the ages who conclude that when God does not fulfill their hopes, all hope is lost. And we say, God, you didn't do what I hoped for, and so all hope is lost. Friends, I'm here to tell you, no, your hope is not all lost. Your hope came back from the dead. His name is Jesus. That's the most important thing we need to understand this morning. And so when we think about it, I want to ask you a question. What have you hoped for in your life that did not come out the way in which you wanted it? What was that thing? Maybe it was a career you didn't get, a relationship that didn't work out. What was it in your life? I want to tell you today, Jesus is enough. Jesus is big enough to fill that void in your heart that that one hope did not. And I guarantee you, even if you got what you hoped for, it would fail you because it's not eternal like Jesus. The important point here is that suffering precedes glory. Jesus must die before he can live. And the role of suffering and redemption escapes the pair on the road to Emmaus. They simply don't get it. Friends, I want to tell you this. If you're a follower of Jesus and if you love him with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, 
I want to tell you this, that before there is a resurrection, there must be a crucifixion. And the way to glory is paved with death. So if you have not yet died with Christ, you will not be able to live for him. What does that mean? It means dying to my hopes, my dreams, my aspirations, and replacing them with God's. It is such a much better option. And this is what these guys are slightly failing to do, and this is what you and I do in our life. They cannot conceive that suffering and death are the necessary means of divine redemption and eternal hope. Easter, with all of its incredibly vibrant colors, it's about, about the fact that God became man, came to earth, died on the cross, and rose three days later. And you know what, friends? Resurrection is a messy business. If you have ever been in any kind of addiction or a sin, what is sin? Sin is something that destroys you. Sin destroys your relationships. It destroys you physically, destroys you mentally, it destroys you emotionally. And if you've ever been a part of a stronghold of sin, you know that your way from death to resurrection was a long, messy road, but it is so worth it because Jesus went to the cross on your behalf. He went to the cross on your behalf so you could have life. And I love that these guys are saying, we hoped, we hoped, we hoped. And in addition, he's like, they're like, some women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning. They didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. That some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. Notice what is omitted from the conversation. They're not talking about how the women were afraid. They're not talking about how they were anxious or worried or uncertain. They cared only about one thing, if Jesus was alive or not. That's all they cared about. And friends, I'm here to tell you, that's all that you should care about. And I'm here to tell you, he is. He's alive. There's hope for you. There's hope for your life. There's hope for the life of your family. So what's important is that not that our problems are too big or our frustrations too lengthy or that our hopes are too unfulfilled, but that whether Jesus is alive and he is. He is alive. Now imagine the disciples for a minute. They were in this limbo. They're like, is he dead? Is he alive? We don't know. What happened? Here's my question to you. How do you stay faithful to Jesus even when your life seems to be in limbo? How do you stay faithful to Jesus even when all of your hopes and dreams are not been fulfilled? By believing in the resurrection, that Jesus came back from the dead. And if Jesus came back from the dead, your situation is not too big for God to resurrect. Amen? And that's what we're celebrating this morning. And so on this ironic journey to Emmaus, these living disciples, they talk about a dead Jesus while a living Jesus speaks with lifeless disciples. How often does it happen in your life and my life? We're living people acting as if Jesus is not alive, and a living Jesus is speaking to us as if we're lifeless. The disciples bemoan that others have not seen Jesus while they fail to recognize him in their midst. So we do the same thing. We say our spouse is horrible. They don't, they don't appreciate us. Our family, they don't validate us. Our friends, they don't invite me anywhere. 
My church isn't taking care of me enough. And the problem is, we're not focusing on ourselves. It is my primary duty to seek a resurrected Jesus and to have a vibrant relationship with him. And when I have that, I'm free to dispense love. I'm free to dig deep into the resurrection business because it's messy, but I know the one who can solve everything, and that's Jesus. So the disciples' problem is not of the head, but of the heart. Maybe that's our problem this morning. And so as they approach the village, Jesus continues on as if he was going farther. And here's what happens. The conversation between Jesus and the travelers is over, but their journey is not. It's not. These two travelers walking with Jesus now want to make sure that he stays at their house. In fact, they say they want him to stay three times. Listen to this, my friends. When you have an interaction supernatural with Jesus, you will not be able to let go of him. You will want his presence so much, you will pursue him at any cost. And you will say, Jesus, I want you. I want to stay with you. I want you to dine with me. I want you to commune with me. I want myself and my family to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what happens when you encounter a person who was God, who came alive after he was dead for three days. They want him to stay at their house, and they say it three times. And this testifies to the growing bond between the two travelers. You know how you become better friends with Jesus? By walking with him. By walking with your difficulties with him, your troubles, your unfulfilled hopes, your unmet expectations, you're walking with Jesus. Jesus has you. He, he's not surprised by what you're going to go through. And so I will say that people often sense the presence of God before they recognize or articulate it. Before you will be able to articulate that God is working in your life, before you'll be able to even verbalize it, you will experience his presence just like the two guys experienced Jesus' presence when he was walking with them. So this morning, if you're experiencing the presence of God right now, don't resist it. Embrace it. That's the Holy Spirit speaking into your heart right now and telling you that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough for whatever you're going through. So the disciples sense in Jesus something they cannot verbalize or identify. They do not know who Jesus is yet, but they, want, they know they don't want to be without him. And Jesus remains with them. And I love what verse 30 says. It says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, he began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Their eyes were opened. Friends, my desire, my wish, my prayer is that this morning our eyes may be opened to see the resurrected Jesus, that he's big enough, that he's good enough. Their blindness was not their fault. Their perception of Jesus is not their own accomplishment. Both are the result of spiritual dimensions beyond human abilities and capabilities. And their eyes are open to see Jesus as he breaks bread and as he interprets scripture. And people always ask me, well, pastor, how can I become closer to Jesus? And I keep saying the same thing over and over again. Just come to church and come to a community group and read the Bible and pray. Jesus dined with these two disciples. He broke bread with them. It means he had community with them. And then he interpreted scripture. And after those two things happened, their eyes were opened. 
We don't need some crazy out of this world experience. All we need to do is to spend time with other believers who are spurring us on towards love and towards good works. And so when Jesus disappears, when he leaves from them, it's an object that Jesus will abide with us, not in his pre-crucifixion body, but as a spiritual presence in his Holy Spirit. He's with us right now. And in verse 32, it says, were not our hearts burning within us while, we, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Friends, their loss, their grief, their unmet hopes, their unmet expectations were all gone. And their burdened hearts became burning hearts with the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus does. The disciples now know why they did not want a stranger to part from them. So, as we wrap up this message, I want to say this. Now that we heard the story of these two men that seemingly unknowingly had the Son of God walking with them, they had no idea. And their hearts were turned to Jesus. And they realized that all of their unmet hopes, all of their unmet expectations were met, were fulfilled in Jesus. Friends, it's your turn. So I want to ask us to stand right now. And as we stand as a church together, I want to ask you this question. Do you believe that what was in your past is in the past and Jesus is creating a brand new life for you? Do you believe that? This is the hope of the resurrection. A brand new future, a brand new you. It's not tomorrow, it's today. Today's the start of that. Friends, what in your life right now is keeping you from recognizing Jesus? Maybe Jesus is walking right alongside of you and you're discussing your past and you're not seeing him. What is it, what obstacle is that in your life that you need to repent of today? Are you focused on the problems and issues that you're facing? Or are you more focused on the fact that Jesus is alive? What kind of hope did you come in here this morning with? I'm here to tell you that if you believe in Jesus and you believe in the resurrection, whatever you had hoped for that did not happen is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus and it's significantly better. You are listening to a message preached by Pastor Bogdan Kipko at Forward Church in Irvine, California. For more information about Forward Church, please visit forward.fm.